I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I would like to remind you to like us, review us, subscribe, and follow us anywhere you can or want to. We're at Wildcat Dojo all over the web. And the podcast is, of course, you know, called Wildcat Dojo Conversations. And tell people about our podcast. Send the link to somebody. Get in touch with me and have me send you a link on email or on text. I'll gladly send you a link and then you could forward it to somebody. That would increase our base listeners and we would appreciate it. Right? Those things would all be great. And let us know if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. Or have a subject for us. Sounds great. This is Wildcat. Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to a dichotomous show. Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. What is going on with that word? I feel like I'm back in biology. I feel like I learned that word in biology. (laughs) Dichotomous key, maybe? I don't know. You biologists out there, maybe you'll know. And tell us. But the reason I used it is because this show is two, two, two shows in one. That joke was for audience members who are old enough to remember the old commercial for Sirts Breath Mints. And I know you hate it when I start with pop culture, Landon. (laughs) But I checked on Google, and you actually can Google that ad and see it from way back in the day. That is incredible. And of course, (laughs) it's two, two, two mints in one. Oh, yes, it is. But on that note, I'm Sensei Jackie. And I'm Landon, and who knew that I was uh, on a pop culture podcast? (laughs) And today I'm the wacky Sensei Michelle. And the reason today's show is two different shows is because of this. I got this unbelievably wonderful response from Hanshi Melanowski about the episode on the book, Three Budo Masters. And we really want to share everything he said. Yes. Thank you so much, Hanshi. It really means a lot to me that he did that. He was... So giving and kind yeah. in, in taking his time. Exactly. Took all his time. Meanwhile, another day, I was looking stuff up and I found this really cool site called Badass Ladies in History. <laughs> How much fun would it be to make that site? Like you actually were on that site. It's cool. And so I was reading through it and I noticed that they did mention two women that we did an old episode on. You'll tag that in the show notes. Right, Sensei? Of course. But there was this one other great badass lady named Yamamoto Yaeko, and I wanted to talk about her. So I'm putting two mini shows together to make one normal size show, making this our usual jam-packed episode. Well, then we better get started. Are we starting with Yamamoto Yaeko? Us. I'll start with her birth and death dates. So she was born in 1845 and died in 1932. So this is interesting. Her father was a samurai and a gunnery instructor at Azu Domain. He taught her and she was an excellent shooter. That's right. She took part in the defense of a famous battle called the Battle of Aizu during the Boshin Wars of 1868. She defended one of the castles against the Meiji government. And for you gun experts, the article said she used a Spencer repeating rifle. That's cool. Did you guys Google the rifle? I did. I I did not. I also did. And it is an interesting old weapon. It really is. And I think what's so fascinating about it is that basically it was only manufactured from like 1860 to 1869. And that she had the opportunity to import that rifle interested me because it was manufactured in one place in the States. 
Right. It was manufactured here in the United States. Right. Okay. We got to get back to the war. Are you ready? I'm ready. She earned, and I'm going to give this a shot. She earned the name Bakumatsu Joan of Arc. That's cool. And I looked it up and the word Bakumatsu was a period in Japan. Oh, that makes sense then, doesn't it? Yes. So far, she's already done really interesting things. I mean, to be a warrior with a rifle, I see where they are in time. They're right before the Tokugawa period. Yes, right when that Tokugawa was coming into the Meiji period. Yes. There were all of those big fights within the country. Yes, and I'm going to give them a little bit of a cliffhanger because in the upcoming book episode, he also talks about that same warring period. Yes, he does. And he comes at it from a completely different angle. Hmm. A completely different angle and... It, it'll be so much fun to hear that episode. I can't remember what our book is called. Autumn Lightning, I believe is the name of the book by Dave Lowry. Okay. And so if you want to catch up with us, the book is called Autumn Lightning by Dave Lowry. Thank you. Of the season salt fame. Stop it. <laughs> Enough pop culture. We're really pop culturing today. Okay, fine. I'm just going to push on then. One of the things I love about this woman is that she constantly reinvented herself way before it was well known or popular. And I know I use the new vernacular with the word reinvention. Well, that is a perfect way to lead me into what she did after the war. Okay, what'd she do? So she traveled to Unizawa Domain for a year. And she also traveled to Kyoto. And there she got hired as a gunnery teacher at a women's school. So cool. Really? I really am. And while she was there, she learned other arts, like that of flower arranging and the art of tea. So, of course, we did an episode on those arts. And, of course, I'll tag them in the show notes. But I want to say that I read somewhere where she actually became a tea master. Oh, really? Yes. That is so cool. Gunnery teacher and tea master. Isn't that cool? Oh, man. She is the ultimate yin-yang. Even though I'd love to stay on the subject yin and yang, because we did an episode (laughs) on it. I feel like now we're just able to say that we did an episode on everything. You're just going to have to go back and listen. (laughs) I'm going back in time. And I'm going to mention that she was married once before the Boshin War. She and her husband divorced, but a more permanent husband was husband number two, whom she married in 1870. His name was Reverend Joseph Hardy Naisima. And they were married till his death in 1890. Together, they founded Doshisha University. And this is quite interesting. A quick Google search told me that the university is not only still in existence, but it's one of the most prestigious universities in Japan. That's crazy because that's a very long time ago. Yeah, a couple hundred years now. I read that when they started, it was an all-female university, but I got the feeling from being online, and I'm sure you did too, that now it's just for everybody. And I think that that was the way the world changed very slowly. In the last 200 years. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, where are we headed? Well, we're going to go along with this fact. Mr. Nesima had been a samurai, but he also lived and studied in the United States. The couple had an equal partnership in marriage. People in Japan judged the marriage harshly because she was not a subservient wife. But Mr. Nesima liked their dynamic. (laughs) I think that's another example of how the world changes over time. Us, for sure. And probably there were many other people who lived like that, but they weren't well-known and they were either liked or disliked within their communities. I don't know. 
since this is not a sociological podcast, I don't really feel like we should delve into the world of what is and is not accepted in society. That is a whole nother. Right? No, I don't think arena. we should. Ooh. Okay. So I'm going to move us on to post-1890 and her life after her husband's death. It's really cool because, again, she started a whole new chapter with studying nursing, joining the Japanese Red Cross, and along with 40 other nurses, they served in the Sino-Japanese War. She really did have an interesting life, and if that's not enough, I'm just going to add one more. Yes, that's what I love. So after the war and her service in the Red Cross, she was given a medal called the Precious Crown 7th Class. And this was a big deal because she was the first woman outside of the royal court to be decorated for her service to the country. That's amazing, right? I think that's pretty amazing. All right. So what are we going to finish with? Pop Pop culture. culture. Well, we started, (laughs) we middled, we ended. Okay. Where is she in pop culture? Where are we going? Well, I was really surprised to see that she's appeared in manga in a show called Yae no Sakura. And in a TV show called Biakotai. And also in a computer game called Techno Co. Okay, and I'm going to finish up with this one. I Googled all those examples and only the manga came up. The other two did not make my Google search. Mm. I know it's weird, right? Definitely strange because you never know what's going to come up. But wasn't she totally worth reading about? Totally. I know, I really liked it. So it's time for us to move on. First off, I want to thank Yaeko for being such an inspiration. Oh, yeah, That's pretty cool. And also, Hanshi Melanowski, very inspirational. Every day. Yes. And I do, again, want to mention that Hanshi Melanowski wrote us quite a long note about our review on the book Three Budo Masters. We're going to get to the Three Budo Masters in just a minute. But before we do, I want to speak directly to you, Hanshi. Thank you so much for taking your time. And now we're going to share the information. Oh, Hanshi, I appreciate it too. I think it's a good idea to repeat that these notes from Hanshi are on the book review of the three Budo masters. We love learning, and this is a great example. Just a little tidbit. I was talking to somebody yesterday about the podcast, and I was thinking about all the topics that we've covered and how much we've learned. And I I think that's really fascinating. I 100% agree. One of my favorite things about this is I'm torn between all the cool people we meet us, and how much we learn and how much we laugh. Us. It's such a great example of good, healthy learning and enjoyment of life. And earlier today when we were talking about school and what an uncomfortable learning environment that can occasionally be. And that's sad because it should be so energized. But anyway, again. Not a social podcast. (laughs) Thank goodness we're a karate podcast. And that leads me to the fact that I'm starting. So I'm starting by reading your words, Hanshi. And here it goes. I would like to comment on the three Budo masters segment. Jigoro Kano was not only responsible for bringing quite a few systems of jujitsu together to form Kobukan Jujitsu, which became judo. He was also a college professor and later a member of the Olympic Committee, not just for judo. He was able to get judo into the Olympics and was also quite politically connected, hence his great influence. We we have done podcasts on it. There we go again, another connection. 
about Olympics and, and karate. And, and we did do the one on the Olympics. What I think is so interesting is that because karate and Olympics is such a new thing, and I hope it continues, but that that long ago he was involved in the Olympic committee. And I'm I'm actually interested to hear that judo was in the Olympics. I, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So, judo has been in the Olympics for a very, very long time. Right. It's karate that came in much, much later. Well, right. just, just recently. Right. Just in just, 2020. Just one last one. Like, I have, I have a feeling karate's not going to stay in the Olympics. But what do you feel like is going to happen? I heard it's not. Oh, I didn't I hear I feel like yet. we talked about that, that it's not returning. Well, it's not returning this next time, but they're going to vote for the following time, so which I guess is 28. Uh, and, and if they do have it return, I'm sure they're going to tweak it in some ways to make it more exciting. Yeah, more watchable. Watch. Some of it was fun to watch and some of it was a little redundant. And that's also what happens when you go to tournaments, right? Yes. Some of the parts are really fun to watch and some of the parts are a little long and it takes too long mm-hmm. to get through it. Us. But it's time to move on. And just to remind you, Jiguro Kano was the first master. Now he's moving on to our second master of the book, the three Budo masters. <laughs> <laughs> and that is Gichin Funakoshi, one of our favorites, right? Uh, Will you read that one for me, please, Landon? Of course. And before I read it, I would like to mention uh, a big thank you to Hanshi Malinowski. Um, even though we haven't met in person yet, we've talked briefly online. I would love to meet you sometime soon. So thanks. Thanks for writing in. Okay. Back to the point. Hanji wrote, Master Funakoshi left his wife and the kids behind in Okinawa so he could do his karate thing. Obviously, they were reunited years later. And he adds that all of the more modern Japanese components of Shotokan were actually introduced by his son, Gaiko. And finally, Master Funakoshi was a school teacher in Okinawa and was chosen to go to Japan more because of his education and familiarity with Japanese customs than for his martial art. Not to say that he was not good. And wow, this man has done a lot in his life. Yes. If I remember correctly, Sensei Jackie, you mentioned the tension between Master Funakoshi and his son during our review. I think I did. And I do think I was laughing when I said everything old is new again, because that happens in modern times trying to always balance traditions and then how to push on in life. Plus, I remember hearing you guys talk about that. Right. I, I actually remember it really well, too. And I, I see that so much in life, that push and pull as generations roll over. That's right. Very interesting. Okay, so these are great additions, right? Us. Now, he finishes up with Weishiba, the founder of Aikido. And by the way, Thank you so much, Hanshi, for solving our first dilemma on how to pronounce his name. The beginning of the note reads, and I quote, first off, it's pronounced Weishiba. <laughs> yes. All right, we finally got a definitive pronunciation. <laughs> We've only been asking for like three years for somebody to help us with translation. So thank you, Hanshi. Really, thank you so much. Okay, Sensei Jackie, will you read that one for me, please? I'll be glad to. Hanshi writes. Weishiba spent his inheritance on a cult called Omoto Kyo, whose leader, Onaseburo Deguchi, claimed to be like Jesus. The cult was banned in Japan. Everyone got arrested, but Weishiba was released. He spent the other part of his inheritance on Soku Takeda, the soke of Daitoru Aikijutsu. 
Thank you, Hanchi. I'd like to add a quick interruption. Soke is the Japanese word for the head of a family or system. So this is so cool because I have read that word and even heard that word so many times and never once looked it up. So thank you again. Thank you. Didn't he give us some great information, guys? Oh, I said say. And Sensei Jackie, I got to give it to her, gave some great pronunciations of some of those words. I was sitting in my chair just looking at her like, whoa, that was impressive. Thank I you. agree. And when you read the notes, did you say, I'll get you, like, pretty? <laughs> no. Okay, good. <laughs> I did not. I agree. It was amazing. Okay. And finally, before I read this, there is one teeny weeny bad word in it, but I already used the word badass. So really, do do I even need to put the warning? No. Hanshi finishes with this. Weishiba, after World War II, believed that there would never be another war. So he made his Aiki more like tree-hugging hippie shit, which I had to leave in because I love the saying. (laughs) Viewer discretion advised. (laughs) When Akito was introduced to the West via Hawaii, the master, Koichi Tohei, needed a way of attracting people. So he used all the parlor tricks of key demonstrations. In short, Weishibo was a bit of a nut. (laughs) I love that Hanshi called him a nut because that was our takeaway too. And we didn't want to come across as overbearing. Right. I love that translation. So wasn't this fun? Oh, yes. I'm going to do this kind of thing again. I liked it so much, which is my encouragement for you guys to reach out to us and tell us what you have on your mind. Please. So how should you get in touch with us? You can contact us all over the web at wildcatdojoad.com. That's our website. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Wildcat Dojo. And stay tuned to our YouTube page. And email us at dojoconversations at aol.com. And of course, on Instagram, my personal favorite. That's because at, we're wacky on Instagram, <laughs> aren't we? At Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Yes. Yes. Stay tuned for YouTube. And from YouTube, we're going to jump to. Honor Athletics, of course. Where you can't buy a computer, but you can buy some great karate equipment. Yes, you can. Definitely. You can reach Cynthia at honor-athletics. Or just scroll down in our notes and we have a link there for you. Or you can give her a call at 770-945-5150. And mention us, Wildcat Dojo, for your 10% discount. We thank you so much for listening, guys. We had a great time today, and we hope you did, too. This is a fast and furious one. <laughs> Vin Diesel, call us. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. The actor from Fast and Furious <laughs> movies, which I think there are like 12 of them. I don't know how many, but there's a lot. You'll tell us if we're wrong, guys. We should call it before we wander ourselves into the next episode. <laughs> Wildcat Pop Culture Conversations. I'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. See you soon. And on that note, I am going to sign us out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.